Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. said to someone, I'm praying for you, but you never got around to it. Sometimes we just think of prayer as maybe a cliche. Sometimes we go to events and they say, let's have a moment of silence when a great tragedy has happened. But silence is not prayer. A cliche like, well, I'm praying for you, which can be a synonym for I'm concerned about you. That's not prayer. Prayer is a real meaningful conversation with God because we are his children. Prayer is very powerful, very effective. It transforms our lives and it makes a huge impact in the lives of the people we pray for. Why should we pray? What's the purpose of prayer? We discover how to pray with purpose from the prayer life of Jesus. That Jesus was fully God. Perfect, sinless, divine, powerful. That's how we see the miracles he did. And yet he shared our humanity. He took on our humanity. And as a man, he prayed. He was a man in constant communion with God, whom he always referred to as his father. He never thought of God as an abstract power or force. He always addressed God as his father because he wants us to see God as our father. And his prayer life was the greatest impact on the disciples. He never taught much about prayer, how to pray, the science of prayer. He never gave teachings on prayer in that sense. He only prayed. And the fact that he prayed and they were with him when he prayed on occasion, they learned from his prayer life. We're the ones who've turned prayer into a science. We have entire courses on prayer, books on prayer. We make it so complicated. Jesus never taught specifically on prayer. He taught how not to pray, not like the pagans, not like the self-righteous people. He definitely taught us how not to turn prayer into a ritual, into a self-serving enterprise. He prayed. He talked with God. He sought God, and the disciples were with him, and they just naturally learned from listening to him praying. In fact, they asked him on one occasion, Lord, teach us to pray. They were saying, Lord, teach us to pray like you. You don't pray these sophisticated religious prayers. You don't pray just as a ritual, as a habit. They sensed that he was having a real conversation with God, and they definitely saw the connection between the prayer life of Jesus and the power of Jesus. So Luke's gospel has a lot to say to us about the prayer life of Jesus. Luke, who was a traveling companion of the apostle Paul, who gives us the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he has a fascination with the prayer life of Jesus and gives a focus on why Jesus prayed so that we can discover why we need to pray and what prayer really means. And so we continue in our study of the prayer life of Jesus, and we learn that Jesus prayed to teach us to pray. That was one of the reasons he prayed. 
he knew that as a teacher, the best way to teach people is just to do in front of them the thing you want them to emulate because that's what education is. It's imitation. That's all education is. You imitate the person you're looking up to. You do what they do. And so one of the reasons he prayed was to teach them how to pray. And as you and I pray in front of our kids with others, they learn to pray from us. So Luke tells us one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John, that's John the Baptist, taught his disciples, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. So by the very fact that Jesus prayed in front of them, he was praying. They were just there. They realized that prayer is important. You and I never need to dismiss prayer we should always realize how important and powerful it is. And when we pray correctly, when we pray genuinely, when we pray with humility and faith and out of a true relationship with God, we will see that power in our lives. Now, if we just pray as a ritual, as a habit, we just repeat some words or read a poem, there's not much benefit in that. But when we really commune with God and we talk to God as our Father, we pour our heart out, we seek His will in our lives, we intercede for others, we will see powerful effects of prayer. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And righteousness means we're in a right relationship with God. And we are through faith in Jesus. He's made us righteous, the Bible teaches us. He's made us the sons and daughters of God. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And they saw that in Jesus. And it's one of the reasons we pray. When we pray, others, especially our kids, especially our family, especially our friends, or perhaps people that we have a spiritual leadership over, And I don't mean putting on prayer as a show, not praying intentionally in that sense, but when we pray from our hearts, others around us can discover how to pray. And the very fact that he prayed with them, and often he'd be in private having his own prayer, they're just kind of observing him. They were learning how important prayer is. And one of the great outcome goals, I think, of us studying together and reading these passages that all of us can come away with a new awakening in our own hearts of how important prayer is. Having a conversation with God every day is one of the most important things we do. The same way that you want to talk to your family, you want to talk to your friends. To have a good relationship, you got to have a conversation. And when you see God as your father, then prayer becomes much more natural and much more conversational. In this passage, we learn that Jesus prayed in such a way that people wanted to pray like him. He didn't pray religious prayers. He wasn't just repeating a mantra. That goes on a lot of religions. They call it prayer, but it's a repetition of a mantra. That's not what Jesus did, and that's not prayer. That's a mantra. That's not prayer. It's a poem. It's not prayer. It's a ritual. It's not prayer. Jesus prayed in such a way that was so personal, such a connection he had with God as Father, that the disciples wanted to pray like that. They wanted a relationship with God like that. That's the point. They wanted to know God the same way that you do, that you want to sense God's presence, 
to have a close, intimate relationship with God. And that's how God wants you to experience him as father. And the more religious our prayers and the more sophisticated they are, the more complicated they are, the further we get from God in terms of a close relationship. We see God as judge or God as king over the universe or God as creator across the galaxy. But when you just have a conversation with God and you practice his presence and you thank him for his blessings and you pour your heart out to him the same way you would to your parent, when you begin to relate to God like that, prayer will take on new meaning for you. You'll see the power and the effect of it when you pray like Jesus did. When we pray like Jesus prayed, our family and friends learn to pray right. When we pray right, we have a spiritual impact on others. So that's one of the reasons Jesus prayed, was that was much better than teaching on prayer. Just pray and commune with God, and they kind of got caught up in that. And they begin to realize who God really is and how they could talk to him and how they could listen to him. Now, Luke goes on to tell us that Jesus prayed to protect those he loved. He realized that a spiritual protection comes in people's lives when we pray for them. Now, the night of the Last Supper, Jesus told the disciples that he would be betrayed and arrested and crucified, but they could not get their minds around that. They didn't understand the cross until after the resurrection, the New Testament teaches us. It was a great mystery. They were in shock, and we can all understand it. We would have all had the same experience they had. But he did tell them. And he also told them that he would be betrayed. And they began to ask, who is it, Lord? Is it me? And then he said a statement that troubled all of them. He said, you'll all fall away. He didn't say, you're going to deny your love for me or your faith in me, but you're going to fall away. You're going to run away. When the crisis comes and the trial comes, the panic comes, you're going to run away. And that's exactly what happened. When he got arrested, they all ran out of the garden. John later went with Jesus. He was all the way there to the cross. And Simon Peter, we know, found his way into the court of Caiaphas, the high priest. I've been to that very court. You can visit the actual place, the house of Caiaphas, the dungeons down below. I've been right down in them. You can sit out in the courtyard where Peter sat by the fire and the young girl that night said, I knew you, you're with him, and he denied Jesus. Well, Jesus told them they were going to fall away, but they didn't understand it. When he said that, though, Simon Peter, who loved Jesus so much, had something to say. Now, when Jesus met Peter, his name, his official name was Simon and that means a reed, like a blade of grass. And he's, Jesus changed his name to Peter, which is the Greek word for rock, which is the story of his life. He transformed him from a reed, an unstable man, always blown by the wind of opinions, to a rock. And he was in that process of becoming a reed to a rock, but he was still a reed. And that night, Jesus didn't call him Peter. This is at the end of the ministry. He said, Simon, Simon, in other words, you blade of grass blown by the wind. That instability in you, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. 
Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. What a wealth of truth is found in that statement of Jesus to Simon Peter. Peter said, Lord, I'm willing to go with you to prison and to death. And that's when Jesus told him, you'll deny me before morning. Jesus reminds us of the sifting process of the enemy, Satan. That means your adversary, your enemy. It means your accuser and slanderer. He desires to have all of you, Jesus said. He desires to take all of you out so that you have no impact in the world. And he's going to attack you. And it's a reminder to all of us, as evil is difficult to understand. That's why the Bible calls it the mystery of iniquity. It's hard to get our minds around the reality of Satan or demonic powers or evil. But we all know that evil exists and we all know that it affects us. So even though it's a great mystery to us, we see the reality of it every day. And he says that Satan's going to attack you. He's going to attack you to scatter you. He wants to sift you and pull you apart. And that's from sifting of wheat. When they would harvest the grain and the wheat, they would sh- shake it and sift it. That would separate the wheat from the chaff because the wheat's what you want to make the bread and the chaff is blown away by the wind. You're burned in the fire. And he said, the enemy's going to sift you. You're going to go through a sifting process. And all of us need to realize at times we're going to be attacked. We're going to go through a sifting process. And Jesus said, I'm going to pray for you. It's kind of alarming if you think about it. Had I been there, I'd rather Jesus said, I'm going to keep the devil from sifting you. That would be my preference today like it'd be your preference. I don't want to be sifted and neither do you. But that's not what he said. He didn't say, I'm going to keep the enemy from sifting you. I'm going to keep you from every spiritual attack because living in this world is a world of evil. And you and I are going to encounter evil regardless of whether we like it or not. And that's what he said. You're living in a spiritual world. There are evil forces and you're going to be attacked. You're going to be sifted. And all, every believer is going to be sifted. The enemy will come in and try to separate us from Jesus and separate us from each other. That's what sifting is. It's a separation. And that's what the enemy will always do, try to separate you from Christ or try to separate you from the church and get you mad about some little thing at the church that upsets you and now you're going to stay home. He's going to sift you with your family. You're going to get mad and get hurt, get your feelings hurt, sift you from other believers. The devil wins by division and deception. He said, that's about to happen to you. This, this group of 12 men that's been faithful for nearly four years. You've seen the miracles. You've heard the teachings. We've been so close. We're here having the Passover meal together. But the enemy's coming in. And he's going to take advantage of your spiritual weakness. You're not ready for this time. And he's going to sift you. And when he does, I am going to pray for you. That night before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed for them to get through the cross. He knew what was going to happen. He knew they were going to scatter. He knew Peter was going to deny him. So he prayed in advance for the testing and the battle that was coming. And we should always pray in advance if we sense a battle is coming on. And he said, I'm praying for you that your faith may not fail. Now, Peter denied Jesus, but he didn't disown him. He verbally denied him because he was afraid, not because he didn't love Jesus and not because he didn't believe in Jesus. So he said, I'm praying that your faith may not fail. Now, your, your weakness of your emotions and your frailty and your, your impulsive, unstable life. That's why he called him Peter. He said, I know that you're going to get taken advantage of and you're going to be frightened when they fight. Jesus knew everything was going to happen. So he said, I'm praying for you that through all this, even through your denial, 
that you will not lose your faith. And that's one of the greatest impacts of prayer. I pray that as a pastor. I pray that over my family. I pray that over my kids. That whatever our people go through, that you won't lose your faith because your faith will bring you through your problems. And some of you are going through a sifting time now. You're fighting a battle now. You're wondering where God is. He's right there with you and he's going to get you through it. And I pray for you that whatever you go through in this life, I can't pray that you won't be sifted, but I can pray that your faith will not fail because your faith will bring you through. First John 5 and 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And he said, Peter, I'm praying for you specifically because you're a leader of this group. That even when you go through this denial, because you're afraid that your faith may not, that you may not lose faith in me, that you will accept the reality of the atonement by the cross. And that when you turn back to me, because you're going to run away, when you turn back to me, I want you to strengthen your brothers. I want you now to have a ministry to get these men strong again because there's a great future. There's a great ministry for you to do. And the way that Jesus got Peter back was he prayed for him. That's what he said. And you can pray for people in your life that have been sifted. You can pray for people that have denied the Lord. You can pray for people that have fallen away. Pray for them today that their faith may not fail and that they'll turn back. You see, after the resurrection, even though Jesus did visit the disciples, after that, Peter went back up to Galilee and said, I'm going back to fishing because he didn't feel qualified to be an apostle anymore. Jesus went all the way back up to Galilee and they were out fishing early one morning. And the first miracle that he gave to them when he gave them the miracle of all those fish, he gave at the very end of the ministry. He told them again, he stood on the shore of the sea and said, throw your net on the other side of the boat on the right side. And they had this massive in-haul of fish in the nets, 153 to be exact, John tells us. He turned away from Jesus, not just in the sense that he denied him, but he, did, he stopped following because he didn't feel qualified. And some of you today may not feel qualified anymore because of your failure or your denial in some form. That's not true. Jesus has already interceded for you. You need to turn back to Christ today and let the Lord put you back into ministry. And as he told Peter, I want you to strengthen your brothers. You've got to get this apostolic company. You've got to get these guys back on board. Peter's has, you went through the denial and that shocked them and they all ran away and they're embarrassed by that. And Judas betrayed him. But he didn't want them to give up on the calls. He came out of the tomb triumphant as Lord of Lords. He said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And even if you've been through a failure, you've been through a sifting, you're not disqualified to serve. Turn back to Jesus today so that he can use you to strengthen others in their faith. You see, every trial we go through is a testimony. Don't let your trial defeat you. Let it be a time of spiritual growth. Return to Christ today. And let the Lord use you powerfully to strengthen others in their faith. Join me for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word today. I pray for every person sharing this time in the word with me. That whatever sifting they may be going through today or that they've been through, that you'll strengthen their faith. And if, no matter what happens to them in life and the challenges of life, that their faith in you will never fail. For those, Lord, that have fallen, I pray that they'll turn back to you today, 
that they'll be strengthened in their faith, that you might continue to use them as a spiritual minister and influence in the lives of others. In your holy name we pray. And everybody said amen. Thank you for joining me for this time. What a rich study. I personally am gaining so much from going through Luke's analysis of the prayer life of Jesus, learning again in my own life why I need to pray, as I'm sure you're having the same spiritual journey with me. Let me encourage you today to download the Mount Parrot app. If you don't have it, get it right now, even while I'm talking to you. You can watch the sermons, the, the, the Bible studies, go back to other studies that we've done. All the ministries of the church, the great worship of the church is available for you as well. Make sure you get that app today. Let's stay connected. And follow me on social media. Subscribe to the YouTube channels, David Cooper and also Mount Perrin, so that you can stay connected to the ministry of the church. Let me ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the church. Those of you that watch all over this country and all over the world, you can be a great blessing to many by supporting the Mount Perry ministry with your tithes and offerings. And you can do that online. You can do it on the app. But I want to thank you for joyfully and prayerfully supporting the ministry every way that you can. Sunday's coming. Looking forward to seeing you and your family. we got a great day planned. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.